Hi, this is Kale Ward. This is Jessica Wilton. And good golly, Miss Molly, it's gone global. Hey, you did it this time. Yeah, that's right. I did. I actually really held my breath for a long time waiting to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like... Uh, hey, how you doing? You've been gone all week. Hi, baby. Uh, I missed you. We just we just celebrated our first anniversary. Our first wedding um, anniversary. So con- congratulations. Great job. What are you doing? I was trying to kiss you. This is a workplace. Mwah. Uh, I have to get HR in here. <laughs> Uncomfortable workplace conditions. Mm-hmm. Are you wearing shoes? You're not even wearing shoes. No. You're going to get me fired from OSHA. I don't work at OSHA. What's OSHA? Uh, I believe it's operating, op- operations, safety, hazard, academy? No, that's not right. That sounds not right uh, at all. But it's, uh, it's basically like your, you know, the, 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 <clears throat> the rules and stuff that you have to have when you are operating a business and so that people don't get hurt, you know. Okay. You have to wear closed-toed shoes, and you can't stack book on books on the floor, and have rats running around in the, mm-hmm. in the books, and you have to let your um, you have to let your workers eat, and you have to. Oh, I'm describing some very specific place. Um, anyway. So this is episode 11 of Gone Global. Yay! Can we you, can stop talking about boring things now. Can you tell the people what we do here? Uh, what, in life? Or? <laughs> well, here, here on the podcast. Oh, so we have conversations that we are always surprised about the other person not knowing. Our aim is to educate a little bit about where we're from and our customs and our culture. And to just talk about that a little bit. And hopefully people enjoy it. Mm. Yeah, sounds right. Don't don't try to get too educated. We're not good at it. I'm not good at it. I guess you're a professor, technically. Mm. Anyway, did you learn anything this week? No, we're not doing that. What do you mean we're not doing that? We're not doing that. We're not doing London. We're doing Paris. I learned stuff in Paris. I don't know about you. Oh, plenty. Well, I learned that Napoleon put his bed over the king's toilet. And I wish I was making that up. So we, for our anniversary, we... What are you talking about? I'll tell you. For our anniversary, we took a trip to Paris. It also coincided with... It happened to coincide with... um, uh, uh, Jess did a, a conference of, of some sort um, the next week. So we spent the weekend in Paris and we toured Fontainebleau, uh, which is Napoleon's house, basically. And many other kings, too. Yes, but most importantly, Napoleon. And so at, at one point, right around the point where we got to the throne room, not a euphemism for a bathroom, although... We were stuck behind this tour group who happened to be speaking English. And they, the, the woman that was guiding them said that Napoleon put the throne room in the king's bedroom. Do you remember that? Yes. In the next room, I, be- I believe it was his bedroom, 
they asked the group asked something to the effect of why the beds were so short and she gave some weird answer about I don't know they didn't lay down back then or something I don't know I wasn't listening at that point Mm -hmm, clearly but then she said Napoleon built his bed over the king's toilet no I don't think that's true well that's what she said I don't think that's and true. And we we did talk about it. No, we talked we talked about the that Napoleon put his throne where, where the, king's the king's bed, bed was. was. Right. Because in, there was all the hangings uh-huh, over the top. Uh-huh. And in the next room, his bedroom was apparently where the rest of the kings decided that they would make their dookies. If you say so. That's what they said. I did not hear that, but okay. So anyway, I learned Napoleon was nasty. Mm-hmm. Ooh, he's a nasty boy. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did we do? We went to a lot of comic book shops. Oh, man, that was great. It was great. Paris is such a wonderful place for books and mm. comic books. Mm. And there was just this one street and... It's all, all comic shops. So there's the main famous one, which is called Album, which mm. has been the... The original had been the... It's the longest running comic shop in the world. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had been there since... I'm not sure. I, it was coming up to its 70th birthday. I don't know why you're um, me. When it, when it closed... But that whole street is just full of comic book shops. And so I, the stuff I'm working on is quite difficult to find. And I, I asked the guy in one of these shops and he just pulled out this giant box and he was like, oh yeah, go crazy. Just have a look through these hundreds of magazines. And I was just like, oh my God. This, something to this effect happened in like three shops. Yeah, it was incredible. I spent too much money. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't eaten all week. Uh, That's what you get. Sorry. Okay. Are you ready to move on to the main event? I think so. So this week... Happy anniversary, Henry. Congratulations. And a happy anniversary. And good work. And and to next year. Yeah. So this week, we are talking about... Movies. Yeah, I've been so excited to do this one for yeah. so long. Yeah, yeah, this was one of the original, the original ideas for this show was what the the two movies we we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, very pumped to finally be doing this one, and we're even switching it up a little bit. Yeah. So my choice was Doctor Who. The movie, yeah, from 1996, which Eighth Doctor is the Eighth Doctor, which is obviously Doctor Who is a British property, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you'll notice a a lack of flourish in my voice that betrays the Britishness of my topic. I brought the British topic this week, and not the American one. Oh. Well, I turn it back at you then, sir, and I bring the American one. So I'm going to talk about Star Trek The Voyage Home. This is Star Trek 
Four? This is Star Trek Four. Four. 1986. Hmm. And incidentally, they're both set in San Francisco. Oh, yes, that's true. I, I would also put forward that this is still when movies were good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I mean we're only we've only gotten quite recently into the movies aren't that great thing. <laughs> so, I go first this week. Yep. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So as we as we said at the top of this, as we said just a few seconds ago, uh, this movie is about the Eighth Doctor, who is Paul McGann mm-hmm. in this film. You know where he's from? England. Well, specifically. Britain. Nah. <laughs> no, where is he from? He's from Liverpool. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, he doesn't sound like a Northern. No, I no, suppose, not I at suppose all. they uh, probably put a, a, a more posh London yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah. But that goes with his particular take on the character. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's, and it's not a London accent. It's a it's a pretty generic British, British accent. Yeah. Um, but he also has three brothers who are also actors. Huh. Yeah, and they're, they're all super famous. I think I knew about that, actually. Yeah. <clears throat> One of his brothers is in that show I like, Call a Midwife. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think his name is Stephen McGann. But yeah, some, all f- four of them, and they all look exactly the same. Some, it's really funny. Oh, four of them. Four of them. Oh, wow. He's got three brothers. Um, so the eighth doctor um, really only shows up in this film yes as well as there is a, a short which uh was presented at the front or, or as like a it was like a webisode or something yeah for the 50th anniversary yes the, yes the, the war doctor i think mm-hmm. it was called mm-hmm. where we see the eighth doctor regenerate into john hurt the war doctor yes and we we just watched that but that was my first exposure to Paul McGann yeah. and his doctor. Had, yeah. had you seen this before? So I hadn't seen the full movie, but I had watched a lot of scenes with just him to get his character because I was working sure. on the Eighth yeah, Doctor sure. book, mm. the comic book. Um, so I, I just kind of wanted to have an idea of what I was working on. So I just watched some scenes. But no, I'd never seen the full movie before. I really enjoyed it. I was surprised at how much Me I enjoyed too. it. Me too. The... I think the fandom overall, at least when I was like active in the Doctor Who fandom, very much like dissociates themselves from from this movie. Yes. And so so what I, I quickly saw in IMDB when I was just looking something up is that it completely tanked in America, but it did okay in the UK. Yeah, I could see. That. But and it but what it was was an attempt to try and revive the old series but it just didn't do very well. So that was the first time and it didn't work and they just kind of like left it. Was this, do you know, was this the, the first attempt to make it sort of a worldwide, I don't know, phenomenon? Yeah, or? I think probably. And, okay. and one thing I did notice about it is that it does feel very Americanized. Yeah, you, you said that while we were watching it. I would like to get into, get into that at some point. But I... I think it felt very true to Doctor Who. Oh, I do too, I was, which was, was interesting. Yeah, I was very surprised at that, especially because it was so American. 
and and I mm-hmm. wonder if that's you know because it was made and distributed by the BBC. I think it was made by an American studio. Oh, is that right? I think so. Okay. Um, but yeah, distributed. Obviously, they had some import into it, and well, and and you know, I don't have to tell you this, but the BBC is crazy tight with their uh, license. Yep. Yeah, so, definitely. I don't. They probably wouldn't have let it go if it was. No, I don't think so. If it was really, really bad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like it did. It felt really true to it, and the imagery they used, and mm-hmm. it felt true to it, but Americanized. I'm not saying that as a bad thing. Like it felt like an action movie yeah, of that time. No, it's definitely one thing we talked about. Was like it. It feels like. There are parts of it where it almost feels like uh, like a lethal weapon or something. Yeah. Yep. So this the the antagonist of this film is uh, the master, mm-hmm. which who, he's a classic uh, Doctor Who villain. Mm-hmm. He is um, the nemesis. Of yeah, the Doctor. yeah, yeah. He's he's sort of that mirror reflection antagonist. Yeah. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Thor's Loki, Captain America's the Red Skull so on and so forth yes and i i really like that yeah me this, too i've film. i've always really liked the 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 doctor master relationship dichotomy yeah it's always super super interesting the old series too like it's amazing yeah um and then david tennant and john sim yeah. that was yeah, yeah, yeah. just incredible uh-huh um, so yeah, no, it's really good. One thing that was kind of weird to me though was they made him like super vampire. Well, yeah, okay. So that's one thing I, I wanted to talk about is so Eric Roberts plays the master. You you said he was Julia Roberts' brother. He is, I didn't Ju- know that. He is Julia Roberts' brother. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, but you recognize this guy from stuff like The Dark Knight, where he plays, you know. Marconi, I think, is who it is. Maroni. Oh, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, um, but he's one of these people that's just in like every movie as a bad guy. Yeah, usually yeah, yeah. He's, he's a he's a real good mobster villain. Yep. Yeah, worked worked real well. He, I, you know, I think he was great. He nailed the part. Yeah, he had. Uh, we we vaguely talked about this. He had a uh, Terminator vibe. Yeah, because he was wearing he was wearing like a the character is an ambulance driver. So I think he was wearing that uniform, but he was also wearing like a trench coat and he had his hair slicked back and it was like his hair was yeah, black. Yeah, so, so the whole point of the story is that the, the master is kind of like a, a ghostly snake entity that's well, trying I'm, to... I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, so so what I said was, uh, you know, I think I kind of feel like the the visual cue here was to make the master feel almost unstoppable, like... like the the Terminator yeah. guy. I've never actually seen the Terminator. You've never seen the Terminator? No. Come on. Sorry. We have to watch that. Come Some, on now. Someday. Um, but, but yeah, so the beginning of the film, the, the, the whole thing about it is that the, the doctor, before he becomes Paul McGann, is he's transporting the, the soul of the master to Gallifrey sort of it's yeah it's basically like that's that was his final life and it was just like his remains that was all he said about it so it's like you said it's this jelly sort of snake thing 
Which I have to say, the visual effect on that holds up. It looks good. Is this what they were saying Time Lords are? Are like little Uh, bits of... No, I don't think so. Little bits of protoplasm that can slither around and... No, I I didn't get that impression. But also I know know a bit more Time Lord lore. I I think anyway, someone's probably going to come on this and tell me I'm completely wrong. But I, I, I sort of got the impression from this film that it was implied that the master's done something to try and keep his life. He's done something evil mm. to try and keep on keep a hold of his last life because he's trying to steal the doctor's mm-hmm. regenerations, his lives, because he's used all of his doing evil things. So I don't think that that's a typical Time Lord, no. Mm. Okay. I think okay, he's. Okay. I think in doing whatever he's doing to try and keep this life, he's sort of transformed into something else hmm. in order to stay alive in order to steal adopt his body right interesting okay because that thing wasn't supposed to be still living it was supposed to be just remains that would then get buried in Gallifrey and they do whatever they do to make sure he doesn't come back oh okay 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 but what you didn't say was the so the doctor that, that starts the film was Sylvester McCoy the seventh doctor hmm he looked great. Yeah, he did. I mean, it was nineteen ninety six. Twenty years, twenty twenty years ago. Yeah. Twenty years. Yeah, twenty years ago. Yeah. Uh, he looked great for twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all. <laughs> um. So one thing I wanted to talk about was the the interior of the TARDIS. It was interesting. It was an interesting choice. I've never seen the TARDIS set up as, like, a home. No. It's usually, like, the cockpit of the spaceship. Actually, that's not true. There is homely aspects to it, and you can see different rooms in various series. But, But the fact that they made it a whole building, essentially, it has, like, a full, like, church light building in that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the, uh... It was called the Cloister Room. Yeah. Which is, uh, um, I don't know if it's a Catholic term necessarily, but it's, you know, it's where you go to be alone and meditate on the spirit. And, uh, oh, oh, it's uh, uh, the Cloister. Does that have something to do? I feel like it has something to do with the, a nun's habit, her fancy hat. I could be very wrong about that. I'm going to look it up. Oh, okay. I, I'm very wrong. A covered walk in a convent, monastery, college, or cathedral, typically with a colonnade open to a quadrangle on one side. Yeah, that's what it looked like, and it was it was just a really okay. interesting choice. I I didn't like or dislike it. I felt like it fitted the purpose for this movie yeah. and what they were doing because it was the Eye of Harmony was in this cloister which was the main point of the story that they opened it and it was going to suck in the world and blah 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 yeah interesting I'm gonna I'm gonna bite deep here on 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 dumb Doctor Who but is do you think that the dumb eye, Doctor Who I know what I said uh, is the Eye of Harmony do you think it's the same thing as Bad Wolf in what you mean you mean like the eye of the TARDIS when like Rose like takes it in and the that's, heart of the TARDIS, sorry. That's, yeah, that's yeah, I think so. Wolf. I think essentially, yeah. Okay. 
But bad, bad Wolf is not just the heart of the TARDIS. It is an entity that becomes from that and then spreads... <clears throat> excuse me. It's an entity that comes from that and then spreads through time and becomes its own separate entity that guides things. Eventually. Yeah, but it's time is relative in this concept. So it has always been that and will always be that. Timey-wimey garbage. Yeah. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Time Lord Jelly. Oh, okay, let's talk about the companion. Uh, Grace Holloway was her name. She was pretty good. Played by Daphne, I already forgot her name, Daphne something, Daphne Ashbrook. Mm-hmm. I liked her. I think she was good. Yeah. It was very, her, I think her portrayal, like we said, was very 90s damsel. Yes. Capable, but also sort of um, helpless. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They also, they, I mean, these were clearly wardrobe and direct choices, but they also put her in this insane opera dress, and then she's running through a hospital, and it's obviously too tight for her, and it's obviously super uncomfortable. Yeah. And uh, her boobs are spilling out of it, and yeah. it's just like, that's clearly a choice. So, yeah, okay, so the doctor ends up shot and that's this is how he dies and turns into paul mcgann but so he's shot and somebody calls him an ambulance and he goes to the hospital and he's about to go into surgery but they have to call dr grace holloway who is on call but at an opera yeah which bothers me a lot yeah but so she she's in this opera dress they they have this shot of her like you said just running through a hospital in her full opera dress in like this slow motion i think there was the opera music was sort of behind you know everything it was like why yeah it was very nice it was so weird yeah one one thing i i found just crazy with her was that she was full on like this guy is crazy i need to escort him to a mental hospital and then you know you see the master's glowing green eyes which i also don't entirely get weird but she goes from trying to take him to a mental hospital to be like oh my god you're an alien it's like wait hold what hold on a sec what (laughs) yeah yeah. And they're on a motorbike and a big, like, motorbike chase uh-huh. scene and a train almost hits them and... Yeah. Very odd. The, I, I think the thing that we're supposed to believe was what convinced her was that because the Master had opened the Eye of Harmony in the TARDIS, the, the Earth's gravitational fields or whatever and all the molecules in the, on the planet were shifting. So he was able to walk through the glass of her house. No, I don't think so. Because because she's still calling the hospital at that point. Okay. So you, you I, don't I, think I no, I don't. That. Okay. I think that's what he wants the moment to be, the doctor. Yeah. But he's like, look, I can literally walk through glass. She still she still doesn't believe him at that point because she's still on the phone. Mm. And then she's like, hold on, I think we need two beds because I think I'm going crazy too. Oh, and she. Uh... And she's kind of making fun of him at the master, who, yeah. unbeknownst yeah. to her, is or making fun of him to the ambulance uh, driver, yes. the paramedic, who, unbeknownst to her, is the master. Yes. All right. I like mine better.
Of course, but fine. You, of course you do. Oh, oh, oh! This was this was my favorite line when. Uh, so Paul McGann is as his doctor. He's still trying to figure out who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he has complete amnesia and he has no idea. Generally, there is something weird about the doctor when he regenerates. He's yes. trying to figure out yeah, who yeah, he yeah, is yeah. in the body. Yeah. Blah blah blah, and. So they're at her house, and she's hearing his his two hearts. Time lords have two hearts, if you don't know. And he's she's listening to him, and and they're having this moment of like why she became a doctor or whatever. And she goes, "No, you didn't die. This is something else. You can't turn back time." And he goes, uh, "Yes, you can." And I thought that was the best way to deliver that. <laughs> it was so good. I, one thing I wrote down was the the violence in it was really quite extreme for Doctor Who. Like, the opening scene is a gang war, and they're all shooting at each other. I guess that... But no, like, think of the Doctor Who TV show. You never see violence I would like say, that. I would say before this, I would agree with you. But I think, I would, I, I think the stuff in... In the newer Doctor Who, no, nope. is no, no. You, it's all implied violence because it has to be for all ages. Like, like, okay. For example, you see the Master break two people's necks, and you see that, and you see that, that horrific okay. head that, snap. That I'll give you, but the the gang thing wasn't. That wasn't much of anything. For for regular movie standards, yes, but for Doctor Who, it was extreme. I don't think it was. I, yeah, I think it was. Okay. Like I said, I, I concede your point that, you know, it certainly was before Eccleston and the, the 2005 series, the reboot. Mm. Yes, you're right about the neck snapping, for sure. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think it was particularly violent by today's standards. Even, I, even I'm, for- I'm pretty convinced, but all right. All right. I, I think that's all I've got, really. There's a, a big um, a big theme of the Eighth Doctor as Frankenstein's monster as he's um, 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 regenerating. Did not get that at all. You, you, Will Sasso's character is watching a Frankenstein film as oh. he's regenerating. And yeah, he's, but yeah, I... I I guess I just didn't see it. He's waking up and stumbling around and looking at himself in the mirror trying to figure out who he is. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't necessarily think it carries through the whole movie. No, no, you're right. That scene, that's kind of why I was like, what whole theme? No. No, that scene, yeah, definitely. The Nixon mask was a weird... That was weird. I don't know why. Yeah. Was, I mean, 96... No, Watergate was in the 80s, right? 60s. No, it wasn't. 70s, maybe, but I don't know. It wasn't the 80s. Are you sure? No. Because I, I just wonder if it was something to do with that. and No. It was weird. And they, they focused on it several times. Yeah. 72. Yeah. 72 to 74. Hmm. It was weird. Was was there another film or something that came out? Uh, let's see if IMDb says anything about it. Huh. 
Here's an interesting bit of trivia, just while I have it. Christopher Eccleston was offered the role of the Eighth Doctor. Oh. Interesting. You're looking intrigued. Say some of these things. No, no, no. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to forget what I'm looking for. <laughs> Huh, Peter Capaldi also declined to audition for The Eighth Doctor. I always find these trivia things really funny, though, but like with British actors, it's such a limited pool that I feel like they've all been in talks for every role. <gasps> Christopher Lloyd was considered to play the part of the master. Hmm. Both Fox and Universal Studios wanted a huge name to play The Eighth Doctor in the movie to ensure a huge rating success. The studio's three top choices were Tom Hanks, Harrison Ford, and Jim Carrey. Oh, God, doesn't that just scream America? Yeah. We want our stars. In the 90s, Hanks is a fan of the classic series, turned it down because an American playing the role wouldn't do the show's legacy injustice. Agreed. Ford turned it down because he didn't want to work in television. Sure. Because it was a TV movie. We haven't said that. It was. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. It, yeah, I, I believe it was on Fox. Carrie turned it down because he had never seen it, and he also felt it would it wouldn't be right by fans of the classic series. Okay, let me. Oh, there's so much trivia. Meanwhile, a musical interlude. Oh, huh, there's also a wig. Paul McGann had to wear a wig. Huh. I wonder why it looks so bad. <laughs> I didn't even think it looked bad. Oh, I didn't like it at all. Steven Spielberg was originally involved in the film's development <laughs> when an early script featured the Doctor and World War II battling Nazis in search of an ancient artifact. Steven Spielberg right there, yep. I don't, yeah, I don't think there's anything in here about it. Weird. Just, just a weird thing, just, I guess. Just a weird thing. Goofs. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Nope. Hmm. Yeah, just a weird... Nixon mask. Okay, well, you got anything else to say about it? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. I can definitely see why it didn't blow up the franchise at the time. Yeah. But it's definitely better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, me too. So, I am glad I watched it. Yeah, me too. I've always been mildly curious. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I just watched some scenes, but it was was really good to watch the full thing and... Hmm. I wish we had more of him. Mm. I think he was a fantastic doctor for the limited time that he got to do it. Yeah. It, yeah. He's, and in, in this mini-sode, you know, before the, the, the war doctor for the 50th anniversary, he was really good. Mm-hmm. He, I think he does carry the pathos of the later doctors a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think it works for the character because it feels like he's kind of transitioning into that. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. Know, chronologically by the the logic of the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about Star Trek. Yeah, this is my, possibly one of my all-time favorite movies. And I've been trying to get you to watch it for many years now. Hmm. So I'm super excited about it. Well, let's do it. Okay. So there you go. That is the whale movie of Star Trek. Isn't it amazing? Uh, I gotta say, I think I like Doctor Who better. 
That's a shame. I mean, it's fine. Okay, if you'd watch them separately. And were we not comparing them? Yeah. How would you feel? I, I, I think similarly. Like, I think, um, I think this Star Trek film is just a long episode of Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that Doctor Who wasn't, but I don't know. It it, it felt different, and it it felt like it did a little bit more. I don't know. Like if they, I, if they, I think if they made this like a a two-parter on you know next gen or something i think i think it would have been similar yeah i and i can certainly see that hmm. but i i i think it was really good i think it was a I, lot that's, of fun that's and... yeah that's not to say that it, it wasn't good it's just uh i think i prefer doctor who right, which is man. believe me i'm as surprised as, yeah. as you are <laughs> um so that was star trek 4 the voyage home the voyage home um, for those of you who has, haven't seen it. Spoilers. For the 40-year-old movie, 30-year-old movie. You know math. The Enterprise crew, after retrieving Spock from... Planet Genesis. Was it? Okay, it was Genesis and Vulcan. They go back to Earth to find out that it's being, I guess, disrupted by an alien probe. Yeah. Which is emitting whale calls and uh because the the enterprise crew is not on earth they come in from the outside learn that that's what's going on and they decide to go back in time and get a whale because the whales are extinct and that's that's it that's That's a story that's a story uh they do it great job because they're the enterprise crew so of course they do it um, we had a really big laugh about the time travel. Yeah. Because it's it's basically, oh, you know how we could fix this? We should go back and get some whales. <laughs> and it's really like, so they, they have done it before. I can't remember in which film, but they do like orbit around the sun and do time travel that way. Was it a film? Because uh... we watched them fairly recently. And you know, did, I, I, do, don't I don't remember. But they have done it before at a point. But it's so very like, oh, well, just matter of fact, we'll just go back in time, just grab a whale and off we go. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? <laughs> but just like, so the whole movie is set essentially in San, San Francisco in 1986, which was when mm. the film was made. Mm. So it's all very Earth-based and it's very like how they try and fit in with earth of that time Mm. and it's really funny so leonard nimoy directed it too and i think it sort of seems like he just let them have fun with it well one of the things i was reading on the trivia was that he he definitely thought given how heavy the past two movies were yeah the wrath of khan and the search for spock that they needed a more lighthearted film and i i think i agree with that maybe that's why i like it so much Mm. because it's super lighthearted and it's I mean, they go back in time to get a whale. Like, what's not to like about that genius concept? I love it. I think it's great. I think, and all the little jokes about them, like fitting in and being super confused about uh-huh. everything. I I kind of like that in time travel. No, for sure. Entertainment, I yeah. guess. <laughs> yeah, it definitely works. I'm certainly not saying that I didn't like the film. 
Yeah, no, it's just that I get what you're saying. Like in comparison with Doctor Who, but see, I I do still like Star Trek better, which is weird because I'm a huge. Well, I'm a huge fan of both. So, but to me, I and I sort of wonder. You know, I was saying it was a bit Americanized. You were saying that Star Trek feels more like a long episode, and I do agree with that. But for me, Doctor Who feels like a movie, which is kind of why it feels different to me and it feels Americanized. You know, you have long Doctor Who episodes, like the recent like Christmas specials, which are about an hour 10, so the same length of it, and they feel like an episode rather than a hot action 90s movie with accompanying soundtrack, you know? Like, I felt like the Doctor Who movie... Though very, uh, why can I only think of words in French? Is very faithful to um, to the spirit of Doctor Who. The format feels very different. Okay, yeah, you know. But like, I feel like with all the Star Trek movies, they they do feel like a long episode, but just sort of drawn out. Like especially some of, some of the special effects scenes. <laughs> Which is obviously them getting better technology and just being able to, like, we can do a 10-minute sequence of uh, traveling at warp speed and it's super weird. And looking at it now, we're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. But they probably got more budget to do it. And we're like, yeah, why not? We'll have a 10-minute sequence of just flashing lights. Are you talking about the time travel thing? No, I'm talking oh. about um, the Star Trek, the movie, the first time they, they go to warp. In that movie. And then when they go through the, like, asteroid cloud or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they do have a similar sequence in this one. And it's it's when they time travel. And it's just weird, like, plastic-looking heads. Yeah, like plastic. (laughs) And then away. (laughs) Like, early... The best way to describe it is, like, early 90s, like museum modelings of like like you would see of like statues and like recreations yeah. of of the cast yeah, faces yeah, 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 and yeah. yeah it was weird over like whale calls and... yeah. <laughs> um i i didn't write a whole lot of notes down i have to say i just sort yeah, of i only I just only sat had, and enjoyed it really i only had a couple myself and i i i tried really hard to take notes for for doctor who but um this one just didn't uh, didn't grab me. One of the gags that immediately stood out to me was Chekhov goes with uh, Ahura to find the uh, the uranium on a navy ship. Yeah, which is also called the Enterprise. As soon as I have a thing about that, don't let me forget it. Okay, don't um, forget about the thing about the Enterprise. Great job. <laughs> as soon as Shatner said that, he said. Chekhov Ahura, you're on the team that goes to find the uranium in 1986 in America in a Navy base. I went, mm, that's not going to be great. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> uh, so the thing about the Enterprise is that wasn't actually the Enterprise. It was the Intrepid. And the U- the actual USS Enterprise was out, out to sea. Oh, is this trivia for the movie? Yes. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. It was the USS Ranger. Okay. So the the USS Enterprise CVN-65 
was actually the USS Ranger CV-61. Hmm. The real Enterprise was that. You mean what they filmed? Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't actually the ship, the Enterprise. Well, ships are busy. They have things to do. They can't just be filming locations. Listen, I just think if you're if you're gonna cheap cheap it out like that, go for broke. Change the name of the ship altogether. Go for what? Broke. What does that mean? Go all out. Yeah, I suppose. But I mean, if you've got a movie to film and you've got time constraints and like trade the, the ship's name. not getting back for like a year, then... Trade the names of the ship. The USS Enterprise is now the USS Ranger. I don't get what you mean. It doesn't matter. Okay. I would sort of like to talk about the warp issues. So we've been going... Through, we've done one and a half... No, two and a half Star Trek series at this point. Because we've watched all of Voyager... And, yeah, together. And yeah, all yeah, yeah. of Discovery. And we're probably halfway through Next Gen right now. Yep. So in the in the show, the Enterprise and the other, and Voyager, and uh, I assume Discovery. Discovery is a whole other can of worms, though. They can only go to Warp 9. Warp 10 is possible. I think in... But it's ill-advised. Oh. And that's that's kind of when you get time travel and things that are beyond the realms of what's normal and okay. Is that warp 10? I see. I think, yeah, I think 10 is the maximum. Hmm. Not, like, 9 is safe. Yeah. 9 is, dang, we're going fast. Yes. Anything above that is like, okay, we're bending the laws of yeah. space and time now. Right. Which is what warp is anyway. Yeah. But... Yeah. Anyway. Did you have anything else you wanted to um, talk about? I One thing I, I always see about this movie in, like, criticism is how preachy it is about the environment and blah, blah, blah. Because it's all about, like, humanity hunted whales to extinction and now 200 years in the future, mm. we have a... We need whales. Mm. And it, so it's kind of the moral of that, which I, I do think is really interesting but it also makes me a bit sad that we clearly haven't moved on from that very much. Like, Yeah, I also didn't feel like it was that heavy-handed. No, me neither, but at all. Like, I think it made a really good message. And there's a, there's a line that Spock says, and he's like, it's really, um, what does he say? It says, it's really arrogant of humanity to think that this message is for them because they're like, oh, we can't communicate. None of our languages work and stuff. And he's like, why do you think it's for you? Like, he said, he, he points out the arrogance yeah. of humanity and everything. And I don't think it's heavy handed at all. I think it's a really good way to get the message across. Hmm. But in criticism, I see a lot of like, oh, well, my, my entertainment's trying to preach to me now. But, you know, that's a certain type of people. Critics are idiots. Yeah. You can't listen to what critics say. Yeah. Including us. <laughs> he said He said running two critics podcasts. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I liked it a lot. Is that it? That's all you got? Yeah. I, I had three bullet points. Yeah. Because yeah, I just I like, like sitting and enjoying it. And the jokes are funny mm. and... Like the, the you know, these actors were so into these characters mm. at this point. Like, it's just natural to them. Mm. And there's some of, like, Kirk's facial expressions that is just great. We did we did notice that 
at this point when he starts flirting with the ingenue i don't did we ever get her name yeah it's jillian oh that's right she's the whale scientist yeah basically. yeah yeah so he he flirts with her a couple times and it i don't know to me it just came across as creepy, creepy old, old man, man. Yeah. yeah yep so i guess at that point it doesn't work anymore <laughs> no not that aspect but the the friendship in them as a group yes works very well it's works very well at one point there's a, a a close-up of, and I think it was just on the ship, and it was just, you know, a scene of dialogue. But Spock, Kirk, and McCoy are all, they're, they're talking. And I, I had the thought, man, this is a movie about old men. <laughs> yeah, but aren't they all? No, definitely. Definitely. Like, you know, most of the Star Trek movies are... are- has a scene of Kirk celebrating a birthday and like wearing glasses and stuff and yeah. he's like, Oh, I'm past it now and then he friggin' steals yeah. a yeah. ship from Starfleet and is like, No but maybe maybe just one more yeah. little flight out. I do like that the movie starts with the fact that the Klingons are bringing the the issues of uh the last movie, The Search for Spock mm-hmm. to Starfleet and there's this big trial and Kirk's not there because he was off planet and he was getting his ship repaired and everything. And um, that that's when this probe strikes. And then we get the rest of the movie. Yeah. And then at the very end of the movie, Kirk and the rest of the crew, the Enterprise, are there for the sentencing or whatever. And Kirk, they basically just give Kirk what he wants. Yeah, pretty much. But I mean, is that not James T. Kirk? Sure. All of <laughs> White male privilege, I tell you what, yeah. can only fail yeah. up. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but but one thing about the group that I did like in this one is they get more comfortable with giving each of them something to do. Mm. It's not just Kirk and Spark anymore, even though it still is majority. But they split up into teams, yeah. and you see them all with their expertise. And Sort of, yeah. I didn't really feel like Sulu got a lot of time, but I feel like his thing was pretty straightforward. Yeah, he was flying a helicopter and it was cool but we see him do it once yeah for like 30 seconds yeah it was fine but it's just it's an improvement on all the rest yeah should we wrap this bad boy up i think so i i really enjoyed this i've been looking forward to this one for a long time we'll have to uh we'll have to we'll have to think about the the next one yeah when when the time comes i also like switching too that was fun hmm Yep, couple of switches. All right, spin the wheel. Oh, comics! Ooh, okay. comics again. It's we're been sort a while. Of, yeah, we're sort of getting it back around to all of these. Been now. a while. All right. Okay, comics. See you next week for comics. Oh, then slow down. Tell the people where they can find us. They can find me on Twitter. And on Instagram, at Jan91. Um, they can find Gone Global Pod on Twitter with this name, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, we also have an email address. And you might have to help me out with this now. Uh, our email is goneglobalpod at gmail.com. That's it. Please do send us uh, wheel suggestions, topic suggestions, anything you would like us to know about or shout out on the show. We would be happy to uh, bring it up and and have a conversation about it. 
Yeah, on wheel topics, I do think we're we're sort of cycling around them again. Yeah. We're doing a few yeah. that keep coming up. So some wheel topics would be really cool. We might uh, we might think about maybe putting a, a picture of this wheel somewhere so people can see mm-hmm, the list mm-hmm. or something. We'll figure it out. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. I do a show with uh, my four very good pals, the Comics Pals, where we talk about the trending news in comic books and the media surrounding them. You can find uh, the rest of my work on kaleward.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Finally, thank you so much to Marco Cunalata for our theme song, Traveling in Bliss. You can find Marco and his work at Mr. Marco Animoto. Is that it? I think so. Okay. I think we're good. You can find this podcast on everywhere you find podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, PodCoin. Wow, what's it called? Listen Notes. Oh, like another one. Oh, is that new? I didn't know about that. It's connected to PodCoin. It's okay. A, it's a whole thing. All right. If, but- you, if you have a podcatcher, you can find us. And if not, let me know. I'll fix it. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. All right. This is fun. Hey, you want to watch Star Trek Five? Nope. Oh. Remember, the lady loves dairy milk. Trey, I already forgot our new catchphrase. No, it wasn't a new catchphrase. It was. Specifically for the reason you don't remember it. It was. Don't forget, the lady loves milk tray. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll see. We can, we can talk about it. Milk tray. Goodbye.